Welcome to Home Dance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a small part of the Sundance Film Festival straight to your ears. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing The Discovery, Freeway, and Titanic. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. Jessica, I have a confession to make. Hmm. I've been cheating on our podcast. Oh, no. Um, I was a guest on the Film at 50 podcast hosted by Brian Rowe, and I had a very fun time talking about the 1970s adaptation of Slaughterhouse-Five, the Kurt Vonnegut novel. And I bring it up, one, because it's my first time guesting on another podcast, but secondly, because the director is George Roy Hill, who made his mark directing our festival's namesake, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Mm -hmm. which I shamefully had to admit on that podcast that I've never seen, so... Mm -hmm. I haven't Uh, seen it either. Yeah, so I think we need to fix that in the future and maybe even discuss it on here. Mm. Yeah, just really tie it all together. (laughs) But I had a lot of fun talking about that one. So if anyone wants to hear even more of me, however unlikely, you can check out the Film at 50 podcast. And then I also had one other thing I wanted to discuss, just very briefly. Uh, Kino Classics has been putting out a lot of old W.C. Fields movies lately. And W.C. Fields is a comedian who, as a younger, like, young teenager, I just latched on to him and I'm like, I want to know more about him. And now I'm finally getting the chance with while they're releasing more of his movies on Blu-ray. And there's this movie that I watched that I quite enjoyed. It's called (laughs) You're Telling Me. Um, You're Telling Me. And it's basically W.C. Fields. He is, the movie's about kind of class dynamics and he's like an inventor and he's kind of seen as low class and his daughter wants to marry into this kind of wealthier family and her boyfriend's family uh, is not accepting of her kind of lower class status. And there's like kind of like a comedy of errors with his invention that he accidentally comes up with something brilliant and blah, blah, blah. But there is a sequence at, at the end of this movie involving him trying to take like a swing off a golf tee that I have to say, I didn't time it, but it has to run a good eight minutes. <laughs> and it is one of the most brilliant pieces of physical comedy that I've ever seen from like him trying to contend with his like dipshit caddy who keeps messing stuff up there's pies involved and like newspapers that are getting in the way of a shot there's just all this kind of stuff coming together i watch a lot of old comedies i genuinely find them amusing but i'm not usually laughing out loud but i was genuinely bursting out laughing at all of the stuff that he was getting into and i was getting so frustrated but it was very very funny so if anyone is a fan of old comedy uh i would check out you're telling me uh from kino classics because it's a good blu-ray and it's a really funny movie and it's only like an hour and six minutes long so it doesn't really wear out its welcome it's really snappy and keeps up the pace well i'm telling you something (laughs) (laughs) i think maybe i'd like to dance about you (laughs) that was flawless let's sundance (laughs) let's do it
Why did it take you six months to address us? Where have you been? It seems to me that I, I invite you here to my home. We only received that invitation after the suicide toll had rapidly reached a million. Don't you think your discovery was just too dangerous to share with the world? Isla! keep a discovery so vital to our existence a secret. The discovery had its world premiere at Sundance in 2017. The film is directed by Charlie McDowell from a screenplay by himself and Justin Later. It stars Rooney Mara, Jason Siegel, Robert Redford, Jesse Plemons, Riley Keough, and Ron Canada, which is a name that I always love saying. <laughs> In the near future, due to a breakthrough scientific discovery by Dr. Thomas Harbour, there is now definitive proof of an afterlife. While countless people have chosen suicide to reset their existence, others try to decide what it all means. Among them is Dr. Harbour's son, Will, who has arrived at his father's isolated compound with a mysterious young woman named Isla. There, they discover the strange acolytes who helped Dr. Harbour with his experiments. So, you got Robert Redford in your cast. Guess that makes it pretty easy to get it into Sundance. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> no, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they got in on their merits. Mm. I actually, I probably had heard of this, but whenever you suggested for us to watch this, it was pretty much not on my radar at all. <laughs> I found the premise instantly intriguing. I was engaged from the very beginning, mostly because it starts out with Mary Steenburgen <laughs> interviewing Robert Redford, and I love Mary Steenburgen. Mm -hmm. um, but she is only in the movie for that one scene, unfortunately. What? I love... No, I'm just saying that's, I don't know, that's usually how things go. I guess. But Mary Steenburgen deserves to be in all movies in every scene. Yeah. Mary, if you ever want a guest on the podcast, we don't do guests, but like hit us up. <laughs> we'll make an exception. But the movie itself, I mostly enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty strong. <laughs> Your eyes are bugging out, right? <laughs> bugging? No, I really enjoyed it because I've never really thought about how, like, you know me, I don't really have a lot of thoughts up here. I don't really think a lot about things if they're not right in front of me. So I'm not really pontificating like the afterlife or the lack of faith isn't a big part of my life. Mostly I just try to stay away from it. So because I don't care. Mm. But uh, not my bag. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh, you going to play JC like that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, JC. You know, you're my boy. Um, but I've never really thought about what it would actually mean, like if it was proven or disproven that there was an afterlife. So just them positing like, oh, if people are for sure like an afterlife has been proven, which they don't really explain it. They're just like, it's been proven. This dude proved it. But all these people, since they know it, they just start committing suicide, which I found like fascinating because I like I know a lot of people are hurting all the time. And if they know that they can go somewhere else or even if they're not, I don't know, it just opened up a lot of ideas that wasn't top of mind before this. And I think they probably could have explored more with the concept 
But what they did with it, I thought, was emotional and entertaining. And I thought, like, this smaller story of the dude's son and old sons who had discovered this afterlife, like, keeping it kind of more of an internal family thing and what around him possibly forming, like, a cultish compound, basically, is pretty interesting. Yeah, I like the movie, but with a lot of movies like this, there's something that's kind of missing where I'm like, yes, where it like takes it to the level where I'm like, this is amazing, but I still enjoy it. But it's like, I don't know if it's like something that I can explain, but maybe it's like this one little layer, like this one wall needed to be taken down for me to really like touch it. Mm -hmm. I wish that it would have been more so like that, but otherwise I think it was pretty good. It reminds me a lot of... The OA, which I love, but I love the OA more. <laughs> oh, yeah. And sometimes the stuff about just people starting to commit suicide and everything. Like, I get it if you're already suicidal or in pain in some way. Like, you have nothing to lose. But it reminds me a lot of people who not necessarily want to kill people or kill themselves, but where they're, like, religious people, American Christian, where they're just like, you have to suffer in this life and then the next one will be better. This one, yeah, it, it kind of sucks, but that's just how it is. But keep your head down and get through it, and the next one, you'll be good. So it just reminds me of that, just that kind of way of thinking. Which, like, I wouldn't, if that was proven in our world now, I would want to have both. <laughs> I yeah, would, live out yeah. as far as you got in there, like, next time, like, once this is gone, <laughs> I'll keep living that life too. Yeah, just live like the best life now and then have a good one on the other side whatever i don't know yeah and then like the whole thing is scary just how certain people would be more willing to kill other people mm -hmm. like they're maybe mentally unstable or ill whenever they're just like it's okay i'm taking them with me or i'm taking them to a better place that's pretty scary they touched upon that too but the rate of that would go up and that's kind of scary just people snapping it just upends everyone's world and their way of thinking and they don't know what to do with it it's hard to grasp yeah and not just the like southern baptist like it just kind of reminded me of the jonestown and stuff heaven's gate people like trying to get to the next plane by like poisoning themselves yeah all that mass suicides and it was interesting that Thomas, he was basically had a cult at his disposal. So it was like, things always boil down to cults. Yeah. And then I don't think they necessarily wanted a cult, but it just sort of happened. But then he wasn't going to go against it because it helped him continue his research and his work. And it kept him more so out of trouble because people started blaming him for all the suicides. And he doesn't want to take blame for that or be responsible yeah, or he face it. He doesn't want people committing suicide, no. but... People he's are going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> he's just like, I'm just pro providing the research and people, they do what you want with it, basically. Yeah, it's like another thing with like religion, whenever people cherry pick the Bible or mm -hmm. whatever, just this means this because I want it to, or this can be applied here. And whenever you get news headlines of one thing, but it's not the whole thing. And then people are like, they take it and they run with it. Mm -hmm. So people are always twisting stuff and doing whatever they want. Yeah. This isn't a spoiler, but the next step he's trying to kind of see is see if he can show what the afterlife is. Mm -hmm. And I will not say if he succeeds in that, <laughs> but it's just that there is an afterlife proven, but people don't really know what they're going to. They just know that there's an afterlife. So that's just kind of like, why well, take the risk if you don't like yeah. before you have to. 
Yeah. I like how he ha- he does have to wrestle with certain moral implications. Like, he's already, I guess, wrestled with this one and decided what his personal limits were for, like, giving out this information. But then he has to continue to r- wrestle with more as more developments come up and he learns more. Like, what can the world handle, basically? And uh, just some of that moral stuff, it's interesting to uh, bandy about. Like, like, what would you do? What do you think would be the best? Yeah. And he has all that history with his wife and his sons have had to deal with all of that. He's got a lot going on. But I mean, I guess that drives his research. Yeah. But his research was the reason he lost his wife. Like he was too yeah. invested. In... I guess it just like drives it further where you reach that point of no return. It's like, well, maybe we'll just do it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Maybe I can make it better and fix it. Yeah. And I thought Jason Siegel's character of Will, he was a good foil to him as not believing in his yeah. dad, basically, and not approving of what everyone was doing. And yeah. I think a lot of people, I don't know, it seems like a lot of people have kind of turned against Jason Siegel in recent years. People don't seem to like him as much as they used to, but I still really like him. Between this and like dispatches from elsewhere, I guess I wouldn't say people don't like him. I would say that I think people are still aren't completely comfortable seeing him in like dramatic roles and they kind of more so want to see him in comedies, but I think he's really good in dramatic roles. I guess I haven't seen anything negative against him or anything, like read anything about him. Have people been writing things, opinions? Or is it just that it feels like he's not getting as much work? Um, it would be like going into a whole thing. I remember when Dispatches from Elsewhere premiered, people were really down on him and thought he was just basically like a milk toast person. But that was the character, so mm-hmm. like he was kind of supposed to be like nondescript and like an avatar for mm-hmm. the audience basically until he got further into the series. So I think people who maybe just started out with it, they were just like, I'm tired of him. He's not a good actor. And But I think they just kind of misinterpreted things. But then you have people who watched End of the Tour who thought he did a really great job in that. And that's more dramatic, like him playing David Foster Wallace. So haven't seen that yet. I don't know. I just people aren't championing <laughs> Jason Siegel like they should. Like he's a really talented person no matter what he decides to do. I usually like his roles. I I haven't seen him in that many dramatic roles, I don't think, except for these two that we've mentioned. But I think that he did a really good job in this one and I really like Dispatches from Elsewhere and I think he was great in it. He does kind of it's not like exactly the same, but it's like the same kind of aura or something that kind of nonchalance to his acting yeah like in the dramatic like he's kind of hurt but mysterious but not like cringy emo brooding just he's got pain in his past he's kind of just like not assertive or anything this one he was more assertive i would Mm -hmm. say but yeah i'll have to see him more (laughs) roles to see how he does but it seems like Guys who start out in comedic roles, people have trouble letting them do dramatic things, which is ridiculous because a lot of times comedy, to be really good at it, you have to understand certain dramatic things. I think that's why they're really good at it. And there's like the whole thing of like comedians having 
pain yeah to draw from so they understand it and i mean like robin williams and jim carrey and will ferrell they're really amazing in dramatic roles so i don't see why people are continuously shocked or they're so resistant to it all the time yeah i think it's even like his his buds like seth rogan and stuff like whenever they he tries to do something more dramatic people are just like what are you doing man like why aren't you like smoking pot and like doing like (laughs) doing this showing your dick or something i don't know like Like, they just expect something different just because of where they started out. But it's more interesting to see them take on, like, different roles and stretch themselves. Mm-hmm. I did see criticism from, like, reviews of this one that he and Rooney didn't have chemistry, but I thought they were fine together. And Yeah, I like their interactions. Mm-hmm. And Rooney was really good, but she's always really good, so... Mm-hmm. Jesse was good, too. He was weird and... Yeah, I love Jesse, Jesse Plemons. He's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> We watched, like, this and another Sundance movie, other people, Mm -hmm. like, in consecutive days, and just totally different moods, just totally different planes of acting, but he was great in both of them. Yeah. The dynamic between Jason and Rooney, like, their characters, I enjoyed seeing their journey grow, and she was kind of like a audience surrogate to this and trying to, like, figure out what's going on with this institute and what, I guess, the limits of his scientific research are and Mm -hmm. she has her own pain and i think she did a good job of revealing that subtly yeah she was instrumental in his growth and journey which most female characters are for male characters but she also had more depth to her than other female characters like that Mm -hmm. because she had her own things going on that we learned about yeah but she kind of set off a chain of events it was a pivotal moment in his life involving her so she was important (laughs) yeah it's interesting how for kind of high-minded and big picture as this movie is like it has echoes of science fiction to it but it's really grounded for most of it but then there's also like this underlying sense that they're cosmically connected and Mm -hmm. like their lives are kind of intertwined which is probably the parts i connected with most and i was just like okay cool what's going on here. I know this feels like a hard movie to discuss just because I don't want to spoil anything. And then there's like a lot of just personal beliefs that you can just kind of get into. Like, what do you think about the afterlife? What do you think about human nature and herd mentality? And that I could talk about all day because yeah. I have seen that over the past two years. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to like all encompass in one thing, but also it could be very boring to certain people if we just got really like just way away from the movie. Yeah, might make people angry too. Yeah, they don't want to hear our hot takes about about, (laughs) hot hot takes about religion. Yeah, but the movie itself, I think it's not really over long. It's like a very well paced movie. It's well directed. I think the movie was a strong insular movie. Like, even though it's not like a single location movie, it's very like sparse and contained. This is also one of those movies that could be very ambiguous and frustrating because a lot of movies like these are, but I don't, this one isn't. I think it wraps everything up really nicely. So it's not like you're like, what? It's just, you can be like, yeah, that's pretty concrete. Mm -hmm. I agree. One thing I was just thinking of, if this had been like a bigger hit, I could have really seen this working as like a limited series. Mm -hmm. because you could have just or maybe like an anthology type series of going to different people and see how they react to this news of a confirmed afterlife because as world shattering as this is like world shattering information you are just following 
this one storyline. And you get news reports of suicide. They're tracking to be like extra high now on the anniversary of the discovery and stuff. So they have a suicide counter. Yeah. Like almost everywhere in public places. Yeah. It does provide a good sense of the scale of this announcement and this discovery, but it's a very contained story. For like a Sundance movie, it makes sense the direction they did. Contained Mm -hmm. story with big ideas. Yeah. Lower budget. Yeah. (laughs) Can I uh, provide a a fun fact for you? A fun trivia fact? Mm -hmm. Jason was not originally supposed to star in this. It was originally supposed to be Nicholas Holt. Mm. How do you feel about this? That's interesting. I think Jason was the better choice. I like Nicholas, but I don't know. I can't see him. I'm not sure if he would have had the best chemistry with Rooney. Yeah, I think Jason was a good choice. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll pass that along to him. Like, Jason, (laughs) you did a good job. Yeah. We approve your methods. I hope he does more like these. Yeah. And this is a trivia fact. This is just me shining a spotlight on another talented person on the cast. But burgeoning Sundance queen herself, Riley Keough, was <laughs> good in this movie because she's like in a ton of Sundance movies. Mm-hmm. But I think most recently in Zola, I think that was her latest one. Probably. Because I don't think she was in one this year. But she was really good in this role. And like her character was very frustrating because she was kind of like deep into that cult life and like <laughs> wanting to be a dutiful like, wants to be teacher's pet yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she played kind of like bubbling unstable well yeah she did <laughs> like she did a good job oh good for you and how was it what is your rating system well i think i have to go with stolen cadavers <laughs> <laughs> i would give this movie three stolen cadavers out of five you saying your rating makes me realize that I haven't even thought about what I wanted to give this movie. <laughs> okay, I think I'm going to give this movie three and a half stolen cadavers out of five. So you got a half of a cadaver. Yeah, which half? Ooh, I'm going to say the, the top half. Ooh, a good half. <laughs> yeah. It's a good half. <laughs> no buts. <laughs> No buts about it. No buts about it. If you want to see how many cadavers you would stack up for this movie, um, you can catch this one exclusively on Netflix. You know, don't it bother you your own wife bring off all them strange guys for money? I make her use mouthwash after. Oh, you like that minty fresh taste, huh? Sheriff's Department, you're under arrest. We're totally fucked. Just after you left, the pigs came and pinched Mom and Larry both. And my, my parole officer showed up like a motherfucking plague to take me off to foster care again. It's like last time. So, uh, what'd I call you? I'm sorry, my name is Bob Wolfman. You're the guy that's been killing all them girls on the freeway, Bob. <laughs> I'm trying to think I'm gonna shoot you so many times! Freeway played at the Sundance Film Festival in 1996. It was written and directed by Matthew Bright. It stars Kiefer Sutherland, Reese Witherspoon, Bokeem Woodbine, Brooke Shields, Wolfgang Bodison, Dan Hedaya, and Amanda Plummer. Following the arrest of her mother, Ramona, young Vanessa Lutz decides to go in search of her estranged grandmother. On the way, she is given a ride by school counselor Bob Wolverton. During the journey, Vanessa begins to realize that Bob is the notorious I-5 killer and manages to escape by shooting him several times. Wounded but still very much alive, Bob pursues Vanessa across the state. So like I was telling you after we watched Home Fries, there's like a specific kind of movie like this, like a dark comedy that was specifically born and spawned out of the 90s. It's like the culture and the style, it just made this. And they don't make movies like these anymore. 
They don't make these <laughs> like they used to. And I really like them. I like the weird dark comedies of the 90s because there's some really classic gems. And this one has since become a cult classic, I've noticed, because people really love it. And it's very weird and strange. And I had to see it because Reese Witherspoon stars and... I gotta see all of Reese's stuff, so... Mm -hmm. Your bestie, Reese Witherspoon? <laughs> yeah. Who tweeted at you? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And she had a movie at Sundance. That's pretty cool, so... Mm -hmm. I had to watch it. I wasn't expecting super great things, of course. And I thought it was fine, but it's not amazing. It's very uneven for me. I think it has a good premise, like a weird, twisted retelling of Little Red Riding Hood. But as it goes along, it just becomes really weird and stretched out and like bloated and like more and more surreal so you have to suspend your disbelief even more and more and then it's weird and it's it's not cohesive for me it's not boring and it's not hard to understand but you're just like what <laughs> so i just think there are a lot of times where it felt more like they were going for shock value with like the things that reese was saying and how she was acting and then just the violence and perversion and everything. It was like people being the extreme versions of certain things, like just caricatures. And like Kiefer, his character, Bob, he's like a really weird, kooky, evil villain. Like he's super perverted and demented. I mean, maybe satire is what Matthew was going for. <laughs> and like, I could get that, like saying how crappy our foster system is and everything because Reese's character Vanessa she's like a product of that really broken system and she's really messed up and she's had a ton of abuse psychological sexual physical everything and so it makes sense that she's not well <laughs> and she's just trying to do the best that she can with what she has but I don't know it just seems more so like shock value was the the main goal it's cool that they're making the protagonist, if you can call her that, because she's she's like a very flawed character. They're making her strong, like a strong female character. But then why did why couldn't they just make her not dumb, you know? Yeah. She's illiterate. She has a ton of street smarts. And then some of the stuff that she does, it doesn't line up really because she's lived in this world and she's gotten by she knows how to take care of herself so some of the things i'm just like nah come on mm -hmm. and i know like the little red riding hood in the story i don't think she was a genius or anything like she's just traipsing around the woods and she was like naive yeah we don't know that she's like an idiot or anything but like why would they make reese's character illiterate just because she isn't in good school programs or something like i don't it just doesn't make sense i don't see why they had to do that yeah or at least not to that extreme like she could not know certain things just because her environment growing up she's not she's not really being nurtured Mm -hmm. She doesn't have a mother, like a fit mother who can nurture her because her mother's like turning tricks and stuff and yeah. not taking care of her. But you can do that without it being such an extreme version of it. Yeah. But again, it's all like to the extreme, everything. Mm -hmm. But then like she can't read and then she goes on later to read a menu at a restaurant. <laughs> so I don't know what that's about. I don't know. Inconsistency, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think that it's hilarious, though. Some parts are funny, amusing, but it's not hilarious. I don't think that it's something that I want to watch again. 
multiple times. It's one of those weird movies that I would have like randomly found on a Saturday morning on some channel that's edited for TV and I would have been like, huh? And then just watched it and been like, hmm, this is wild. This one comes highly recommended by your brother Chris. He kept pushing yeah. us to watch it. It makes sense that he would like it though. Well, I'd heard about this one for a long time and I was not aware that it was a dark comedy. I thought it was more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I had known that, I would have reacted differently. Like, I'd been in a different mindset, but I did not like this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there were moments that were fine, but everything was just working on such a level that was not for me in that moment. You recently showed me Home Fries, and I was not completely prepared for how weird that got, too, like how dark, (laughs) but I really loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But this one... I could not get on board with Reese's character. She was just so ridiculous and, I don't know, it's not like poverty porn necessarily, but it's kind of bordering on that. Like, look at how dumb these people are. Look how messed up they are. Yeah. But it's just annoying. And then... (laughs) Then when it got to the end, or not even the end, it was whenever she got, this isn't really a spoiler, she gets arrested and thrown into like a detention center. All of that stuff from that point on, I was just like, I'm so bored. I don't care about, they just kind of stretched it out from there and it, it kind of seemed unnecessary. And then they make her unlikable because like she's our protagonist and you're like wanting to root for her, but then she just does all this messed up stuff and you're just like, okay, if you just... Uh, chill for a second. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think that's what I said out loud. I was just like, just chill. Just hold on for one second. (laughs) Yeah, because you have her and uh, Brittany Murphy and Alana Ubach, who you pointed out she would reunite with with Unlegally Blonde. Yeah. Who people might know from Euphoria these days, but mm-hmm. back in the day. I just saw her whenever I watched rewatched The Sister Act 2. She was a kid. Oh, nice. So I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. You also saw her whenever you made us watch Waiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But especially that prison, I just call it a prison scene, the detention center scene. Whenever Alana especially has that kind of cholo accent and stuff, it's just <laughs> made my skin grow. <laughs> yeah. Everything about that. And then Reese having to... She starts out dating a black guy, played mm-hmm. by Bokeem Woodbine, and then she, like, weaponizes racism later to get yeah. under that cop's skin. And it's just kind of like, okay, like, you're just trying to, like, fu- fuck with this dude. And it's just... but The shock value thing. Yeah, it's just... It's a lot. And I I wasn't responding to it. I wasn't like, oh, this is clever. I see what you're doing. And I wasn't like, oh, I can't believe they did that. I was just annoyed for most of it. Yeah. I don't know. Like in the the 90s, whenever it came out, I don't know how people reacted. I'm sure it, it did awful at the... It did. I mean, it has a approval rating of 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. So people, like critics liked it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a cult classic now. Yeah. People really like it and i was looking at reviews on imdb and the majority of them are super positive even now people really like it but i just like at the time it was just like this is unnecessary this part what are you doing whenever she's hurling racial slurs and stuff Mm -hmm. so i don't know she's like immature because she's a child and then she does all these things that are really gross and i don't like really hateful just like where he comes into the courtroom and she laughs at him and stuff like that's funny yeah like she's trolling people all the time Mm -hmm. and it's not like that always makes someone unlikable she's got behavioral issues yeah impulse control issues and 
everything. Yeah, but it's just like, there's so much wrong. It just, it's so much. Mm-hmm. Just chill. <laughs> yeah. There were portions of this movie where it was all kind of coming together in a way that I did like it. So mm-hmm. I didn't completely hate the movie, but a lot of the times it wasn't working for me. I think the best stretch of the movie for me, and it wasn't a long stretch, it was probably like 15 or 20 minutes, it was the initial, like, her meeting Kiefer up until their dynamic changes, I'll just say that. That portion of the movie where they're kind of having their like their mm-hmm. back and forth and he's kind of playing with her. He thinks she's uh, like a fly in his web, but she's like more formidable than he expects her to be. But just like a lot of their interactions between them, I thought there was like the right amount of sarcastic humor on her part and like kind of naivete, but like not to such an extreme level because once she realized what's happening with him, that he's probably this killer, she snaps in and is like, oh, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. But she's not too extreme. Uh, she's like right in the pocket in there in like that <laughs> kind of stretch for me. Yeah, that's one of the things that's bothersome is she's aware of her surroundings and she's smart. But then later she does dumb things. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? Yeah, like the detective played by Dan Hedaya, who can tell that there's like something not completely right. And he, he doesn't come in hot like that other detective. Yeah, that other one was ridiculous. Yeah, I can understand why she was mad at him. But this is one of the times where I'm just like, okay, chill. She comes in so hot because she's been through this system before. And mm-hmm. she's just basically like, you're not going to believe me. I'll just say that I was trying to kill him because you're not going to believe me and stuff. But just like, no, just tell your version of the story. Like, let them. She's too jaded already. Yeah. And then, of course, the guy's like, how many times have you committed yeah. arson and stuff? He and escalates like, it. Yeah. but And she can't keep her head. Yeah. But like, he knows that she has these issues. And yeah. then he just escalates it to make her snap and break. And he won't even allow her to tell her side of the things because he's messing with her so much. Yeah. But if she could just like, all right, I'm going to tune him out. I'm going to speak to this guy who's not <laughs> antagonizing me. Yeah. But that other cop knows that she can't it's like he's i don't get he's so insistent on getting her yeah right from the beginning it doesn't make sense to me i don't know why like why do you have it out for this girl yeah he's a caricature too yeah and then like i don't know if this was the intention but it is like a good commentary on like rape culture Mm -hmm. because bob he becomes some sort of twisted hero and she is like painted as this awful scum of the earth man-eater murderer and she's really the victim in every single way like of the system of him everything so i don't know if that was the intention but that was a good job with that yeah i agree it kind of reminded me it's like a more exaggerated version like it's played way more seriously and unbelievable with that cop who's going after caitlin deaver's character i wanted to punch him so much yeah (laughs) and that's like so heartbreaking yeah but like this which is more in like an outrageous, darkly comical fashion. But I still wanted to punch both of these cops. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just like he's seen so many of these kids do all these things. So he's just like, who cares about you? What's it to you? Just get another one off the streets. Yeah. These are all... They're killing our white men. We can't... <laughs> Useless causes. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. The other movies like home fries or drop dead gorgeous a life less ordinary yeah these movies they're fun in their darkness this i didn't have fun with it it was just makes you more uncomfortable uh, yeah uncomfortable slash upsetting also i saw that the director he was also the writer of another it was a little bit more serious movie but kind of similar tone uh he was the writer of gun crazy (laughs) 
<laughs> so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because this one, it could have easily gone that way. Like, mm-hmm. she could have joined him, and it could have been some weird, twisted Stockholm Syndrome thing. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to make, well, I guess, he wanted to make her, like, a stronger female character. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if I like Gun Crazy more. And it's another instance of a person you really love, like playing a messed up character. Mm. But that one was directed by Tamara Davis. And while that movie's not, it's far from perfect, you can tell that there's kind of like a female point of view behind the camera, which helps it not be so disgusting. So maybe if dude had just stuck to writing and there had been a female voice behind the camera, maybe they could have shaped it a little bit more fairly or in more interesting ways. That would have spoken to me at least. Like, I'd be curious to know what Reese thinks of this movie now. That's what I was thinking as we were watching it. I was like, man, I really wish that I could ask her about this movie. Yeah, you're like, even if it's like, okay, off the record, what do you think of this movie? Yeah, because she has said in past interviews that she has regretted some of her choices and how she looks back on some movies and she's like, mm, wish I didn't have to do that. But it was like one of those things where she didn't have a lot of choice and she needed work. And yeah. it's a huge reason why she is shaping her career now. Mm-hmm. And like helping she, others yeah, shape their career. She can choose her roles, she has say. So I really, really wish I could know what she thinks about this. I feel like the thing that she was talking about more so was fear. Mm, that makes sense. Or... Uh... Twilight, the one with uh, Paul Newman. I don't think... Have I seen that? I don't think Mm, I've seen that. I would assume probably those films, like the ones where she's more sexualized. Mm, Yeah. I can imagine her not being like super down on this movie or anything, but it would be interesting to know her thoughts. Yeah, because she's not a weak character. She's just a very exaggerated character. Mm -hmm. This movie's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) My girl rocks! My girl is not rock! So Jessica... Hit me with your rating system. My rating system is toothbrush shivs. I think I'm going to give this movie two toothbrush shivs out of five. I will give this one and a half toothbrush shivs. (laughs) For those who want to see this movie for themselves, it is currently, as of this recording, available to stream on Prime Video and also on Canopy. got everything I need right here with me. I figure life's a gift, and I don't intend on wasting it. You never know what hand you're going to get dealt next. You learn to take life as it comes at you. When the ship docks, I'm getting off with you. Titanic was released in 1997. It was written and directed by James Cameron. It stars Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio, Billy Zane, Kathy Bates, Francis Fisher, Susie Amos, Gloria Stewart, Bill Paxton, David Warner, and Victor Garber. 84 years later, a 100-year-old woman named Rose tells her granddaughter and Brock Lovett and his crew the story of her experience and whirlwind romance with drifter and artist Jack Dawson aboard the ill-fated Titanic. It was the ship of dreams. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Tell me, old Rose. I, without any shame, will tell you, everyone listening, that I love this movie. Mm. 
And whenever it came out in 1997, I, as a seven-year-old child, was this story of Titanic. It just had a hold on me and other seven-year-olds like me. It was weird because <laughs> I was like, woo, all about it. And I wanted to see it so badly, but my parents were like, no, no, no. It's a little bit too adult for you. And my brothers and I saw Flubber while my parents saw Titanic in theaters. So I had to wait a little bit longer, but I think I was really obsessed with it because of Celine Dion's song, My Heart Will Go On. And I was so obsessed with it. I got my cassette and I put it in the stereo boombox thing and I recorded it whenever it came on the radio so that I could listen to it all the time classic. And at the time, whenever they played on the radio, this makes no sense, but they would play the clips of the movie with the song, so it would be like, it's been 84 years, and I can still smell the fresh paint. And I heard that, like, so many times. <laughs> and it makes sense for, like, a music video, but I just, I don't know. They would put it at the beginning and the end. It was super weird. But I listened to that song over and over and over, and my brother Chris was just like, please, no. Just stop. And I was like, not gonna do it. <laughs> Near, far, wherever he was in the house, he could hear it. Yeah, and I still love Celine Dion. She's pretty great, in my opinion. But yeah, I have seen this movie in full, I'm going to guess, seven or eight times, mm -hmm. and I still love it. <laughs> nice. Also, I just want to clear something up right now. Okay. If you're one of those people who keeps saying, that, no, you insist on saying the whole thing about I'll never let go. Yes, yes, yes. We know the whole thing about the door, blah, blah, blah. They could have traded. They could have both fit on it. I'll, I'll just say both fitting on it at the same time. There's a little thing called buoyancy and that probably wouldn't have worked, okay? Mm. But the thing with like, I'll never let go, Jack. And then where people were like, and then she just lets go of him. People, people. And Jack was telling her, he was like, Rose, you're gonna die an old woman warm in your bed. Not here. Not on this night. Mm. And he was telling her all these things that she's gonna do with her life. And he said, promise me, Rose, that you'll do this. And she was like, I will, Jack. I'll never let go of this promise. That is what she means. Mm. And so I'm so tired of people doing that because it's like something a little kid would make a joke out of, which I did whenever I was little. I was like, she just let him go. But I grew up, okay? And <laughs> she means she will never let go of the promise. Could that have been worded better? Yes. But that's what we got. That's not how old Jamie Cams <laughs> wrote it. I doubt he wrote the movie, did he? Yeah. Okay. But this movie, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. And yeah, it was like first of its kind with all the special effects and everything and such a huge budget and going and doing all this stuff. And James Cameron loves making a big old blockbuster because he likes loves the spectacle. Yeah, he loves doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And that's cool. And yeah, with some of his stuff, the dialogue is kind of sometimes it can be like a high schooler who wrote a play. And you know what? That's fine because I don't know, I guess I'm used to it. And then sometimes you get really good stuff out of that. Like sometimes it can be cringy, but then other times you get really good lines. Things that are like, where to miss? To the stars. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> I don't know. It's fine with me. Maybe other movies is probably more cringy, but I think this works because it, it works with the characters, with how they're set up, because they're so, they're young and they're so, I don't know, full of life and idealistic and all this stuff. So it, it makes sense. Whenever Rose is being annoying at points, whenever she jumps back onto the Titanic, mm-hmm. whenever the, she's in the lifeboat going down, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's annoying, but it makes sense with her character. Because even though you're like, Rose, why? But then you're like, that is Rose. (laughs) Classic Rose. I just think that the dialogue mostly suits them all. I wouldn't want to be near Billy Zane either. Yeah. He's he's the worst. He did a really good job playing a butt face. Ruined the rest of his career. People are just like, (laughs) I hate that guy. I don't want to be near him. He's just like, dang, why did I do such a good job? So sad. I don't have quite the history with this movie as you, but I do really like it. I've probably seen it five times, I believe, throughout my lifetime. I have fond memories of the double VHS mm-hmm. that we rented, and we used to have the whole setup where we would hook up the one TV and record mm-hmm. the movie yeah. onto a blank VHS because we were little rascals. Yeah. So we were just constantly pirating movies. That's how uh, my cousin's dad he would do that with uh, pay-per-view stuff yeah he would record them that's how i saw the matrix but then it got cut off yeah so uh have fond memories of that (laughs) yeah yes i do like this movie i like the celine dion songs even still Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not one that's like, ugh, turn it off. It's such a banger of a song. We've seen her perform it twice live, and it still hits you right in the feels. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think at its core, it's a really nice love story. Yes, there's some hokey dialogue. And yes, Billy Zane, like, he does a good job, but he's, like, ridiculous a lot of times. Like, his character's written to be just, like, real a-hole. <laughs> real wacko. Real son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't think old Jim, he's great with nuance, really. Like, he's just really like, this is what I want to convey. These are the characters that, like, (laughs) these are the roles we have to fill to get this story told. Yeah. But that's fine. Not all movies need immense subtlety. Like, he's just like an in-your-face director. And the spectacle is really impressive even these days. Like, we had a chance to see the movie when it was re-released in, like, 2012, I believe, um, in 3D. It plays well at home, but you seeing it on a big screen is really impressive. Even people who who don't appreciate the love story, they have to appreciate, like, Marvel at the ship going down. Yeah, the technical. Yeah, it's very impressive. Mm-hmm. And even if you aren't invested in the love story, like you can get invested in these people losing their lives and how people, the sociological impact of people realizing what's going on and like survival of the fittest, basically. It's just a whole thing. Mm-hmm. The couples who just say, we're just going to stay here on this bed and die. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is it. And the captain that goes down with the ship. But I will go down with the and the uh, cliche, like, the band kept playing all the way <laughs> down. It's kind of ridiculous. Even though some parts strain credulity, it is a very effective movie. And some of the times whenever you just see people falling down, like hitting a rail and stuff, you're like, oh! Yeah, there's still this one. <laughs> 
the one part where uh, Jack and Rose are on the the top of the ship because mm-hmm. it's already vertical. Mm-hmm. They climb over the fence and so they're like waiting to go down. And dude like falls yeah. and it's the sound effect and then him falling yeah. is just like sometimes it just replays in my mind. But he goes and his ankle hits the propeller and he Ooh. goes bing. <laughs> And then he just like goes into the water. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough and it's sad, but it's also very thrilling. And it's just a very well directed piece of cinema. Just that whole long sequence. And it's a stacked cast. There's a lot of besides just the people we talked about. I love Kathy Bates in this. She's a real firecracker. Unsinkable Molly Brown. Unsinkable. <laughs> and my girl Frances Fisher as her mom. I say my girl because she, she liked one of my tweets one time. So that's pretty cool. Playing a real a-hole sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but also a victim of her circumstance. Yeah. Oh, and I can't forget Victor Garber. Yeah, I really like his character in this one. He plays a real, real sweetheart. Mm-hmm. He's so kind and gentle and he's like fatherly. It's very nice. And he's really kind to Jack as well and you're like that's a good dude yeah (laughs) victor garber you're a real one (laughs) (laughs) he just loves this ship so much Mm -hmm. i will admit i do have like it's not as bad as it used to be because i'm not an impatient child (laughs) uh I do sometimes get a little impatient with the Bill Paxson stuff, the modern day stuff, because I just want to get to it. And It's such a small part of the movie, though. Yeah. Like I said, I'm less impatient. When I was younger, I was just like, why are we not seeing this destruction yet? Why are we? Let's do it. Man, I didn't even mind. Like, I've never minded. I'm just, I'm all in it for everything. We all know that old Jimmy Cameron, he only made this movie because he wanted to fund his underwater expedition. He was said that he would like make a movie. He's like, yeah, I'll make Titanic if we get money so I can explore, explore the depths. Yeah, well, that is true, though. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like you're making a joke. I mean, but... It's true. We got this Best Picture winning movie out of it that's in- endured. And... Yeah, that he hastily wrote dialogue in a story, too. He's like, um, sure, I'll make this. Yeah. The story, just the romance and everything, it's like Shades of Romeo and Juliet, which is mm. why I think it resonates so well and why I'm like, yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's it's tragic, but it's also lovely for a time. Like, would it have worked out in real life? Probably not. But, like, for that, just that small amount of time, it's nice. I'm going to have to call you out a little bit. You say Shades of Romeo and Juliet, and that makes it good for you. But then you watch West Side Story, and you're like, <laughs> boy, this shit's whack. Yeah, because I said that West Side Story didn't do it well mm. for me. I don't connect with West Side Story. And Titanic isn't exactly Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. That's why I said Shades of. Mm-hmm. West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet. With, like, minor changes. I don't know. I just find that movie boring. Whatever, come at me. Not Titanic, though. Nah. That's probably why that they, well, James, he can't, like, complete a a love story or whatever. There has to be, like, some tragic character, and then he can't have, like, a realistic love story. I don't think he knows how to write one. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. Of course, this is a box office phenomenon, even though no one really expected it to be. That's why before it came out, companies were like sharing off portions of their stake in the movie so they can mitigate the disaster they thought that was coming. So (laughs) that's why there's split ownership overseas. Mm. 
Fox sold Paramount domestically and then they own it overseas. So they could have been like real rich, but they had to split it with other companies. Mm-hmm. But the reason I say this is, yes, it was a box office success, but you don't really, you don't get a lot of big love stories like this. You never, like the <laughs> epic love story. Like, of course you have to couch this in tragedy and spectacle with the ship going down, but it's really impressive that a movie like this, like a grand love story, is one of the biggest box office earners of all time. Well, I mean, it's of the time, though. Mm-hmm. It's whenever movies like that were, they were still holding interest. The whole genre of romance, just, they're non-existent yeah. now. And rom-coms are non-existent yeah. now. Uh, it's just wild to think of that. What what would happen if this hadn't been released back then and it was released now? How would audiences respond to it? I don't know. I think with the better effects and stuff, even though the effects are really good in this one, it maybe that would have been enough to carry it because people love an event now and they really love not destruction, but like big things happening like, whoa. So maybe that would have been enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it would have had the longevity since this was in theaters forever and it would have been quickly to streaming probably. So I'm not sure if it would have had the cultural... I think it debuted at the perfect time for this type of movie. Yeah, for sure. Because we're still making movies like that. And then shortly after that, you have Pearl Harbor, which is kind of like the same structure and formula. Oh, Mikey Bay trying to cash in. Yeah. He, of course, focuses on the explosions and the fighting and the war and all of that. And like the cars and the planes and everything. And then just kind of half-heartedly does the romance and character building stuff. But it was still in that time where it's fine and it works and people like it. Pearl Harbor, to me, isn't as good as Titanic, but I still enjoy Pearl Harbor. But like now, I think they'd have to do something like surrounding 9-11, which they already did with something that didn't really work out. But I don't even think it has to be. I think they can make a big romantic drama that's... Around some other war. I don't know. It doesn't even have to be tragic in that way, I don't think. I don't know. I just... If you really want to have some sort of, like, event. Yeah. Like something. Yeah. I think 9-11 would be... Too much overshadowing. Yeah. Maybe something like a impending, like, tsunami or something, because that's also devastating. Because that, that's kind of like day after tomorrow, even though it's like fictionalized, Mm -hmm. like there's shades of romance in that from what I remember. Yeah, it's just with these movies you have to have some sort of like action or something because people don't tolerate a straight romance movie. But yeah, you challenge studios to do something like this. Yeah, they (laughs) just try it out. I mean... They're not going to. Yeah, I (laughs) know. But they should try. (laughs) Yeah, I would love for them to. Back to this movie, the part with Cal trying to get on the lifeboats and he maneuvers his way in there and he sees the crying little girl and he's just like I have a child and then he says I'm all that she has in the world and the dude's like fine let him on after he tried to bribe his way on before and then he's like your money's no good but then he gets on the boat and then the other guy looks at him who he tried to bribe earlier and he like looks at him in disdain and disgust and he's just like just lower it down whatever and then it's like played to to make it seem like, ugh, what a cowardly, just disgusting man. Mm-hmm. Just, ugh. But really, he saved a child's life. You gotta give it to him. He saved that kid's life. Yeah. Yeah. So she wasn't already on the boat? No, she was mm-hmm. off in a corner. No one was there running around her. Her mm-hmm. parents were dead, I guess. Mm-hmm. She was just by herself. And if no one would have gotten her, she would have just fallen and drowned. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> even yeah, though. But, but if he wouldn't have gotten on there, maybe another 
person could have gotten on there. I don't know like, if another dude was smarmy enough to... I mean, like, another, maybe, like, woman or child could have been... I don't know, because all the... No one was paying attention to her. No, like, he takes her, puts her on a boat, and then where he occupies the space beside her, another woman or child yeah. could have been placed yeah. on there. Yeah, that's, like, that's, like, the optimal or whatever. But, like, out of his disgustingness or whatever, his, yeah. his uh, I don't know, inconsiderateness, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, he saved a kid's life. But, like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I wouldn't do the same thing if I were Yeah, I'm, yeah. If uh, I were a man and that position. I mean, I am a man, and I'm gonna, <laughs> this might be controversial, but I would do whatever the hell I needed to to get to yeah. safety. I would be first in line for those lifeboats. <laughs> like, speaking as a woman, I would be like, excuse me, and, like, <laughs> if I was somehow in third class, I would have maneuvered the hell out of there you're like i'm pregnant (laughs) i probably would have done that i would have been like i'm with child (laughs) please for the baby who will think of the children she ain't pregnant she just ate a burrito earlier (laughs) what is that it's not a food baby it's a real baby (laughs) she lied they don't got burritos on the titanic that's too ethnic for them I was thinking of it more from a modern context. Yeah. All right, all right. They have, like, a bajillion pounds of potatoes. They ain't got no burritos. (laughs) She ate a fucking squab earlier. (laughs) (laughs) She ate a pigeon earlier. A roast pigeon. (laughs) You gotta look out for number one. Yeah. So, yeah, Cal wasn't so bad. He's our hero. (laughs) No, 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 no. Oh, is that what we're saying? No. Okay. I'm just saying... He saved a kid because he was an a-hole. Mm-hmm. And it just, it worked out that way. And now that kid, for the rest of her life, I mean, he ditched her as soon as they docked, let's be real. But she's got to be like, that man saved my life. She's going to have the wrong picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> what a hero. Oh, man, yeah. But we do know what happened to Cal. It, it says what happened to Cal in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got his. Yeah. Well, what's coming to him or yeah. whatever. The stuff in the movie that also annoyed me, like, story-wise, is the whole thing with um, Rose in the Heart of the Ocean. How she, of course, marries someone else because what other choice does she have? But, like, she lives her life and she does all those things that Jack wants her to do. And she lives her life in honor of Jack mm-hmm. and their love. And she never forgets. She never lets go of her promise. Mm-hmm. But she keeps this necklace. And, baby girl, I would have, like, sold that so fast to get a start, you know? Help yourself along. Why wouldn't you just sell it whenever you're starting out? Because she had to start fresh. She wasn't connected with her mother. She changed her last name. She had to start fresh. So just give yourself a boost. Wild. One scene that really sticks out to me um, is whenever she goes below deck and does a dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I know. That's a fun scene. Most of my memories of this movie, because like I don't remember my earliest times watching this, it's just from watching it with you. And I, there's like a few scenes that I know you especially respond to like on an external level. Like you'll say something or do something, and I'm just like, cool. And it just kind of sears my mind. Like so, that's one. And then. <laughs> What am I saying or doing? Just, like, experiencing the movie. You, like, laugh at something or just, like, Mm. just seeing you react in real time just Mm. enhances the experience for me. Mm. So I, like, remember that specifically. And then also at the end, whenever she is greeted by everyone and that emotional, Mm. it's like a good final bit of the movie really touches you. Yeah, that's one time. There are, like, a few key scenes in the movie that will... They still make me cry, Mm -hmm. and it really gets me. 
and just like all the scenes with the people who have to pretty much accept their fate because they're third class and they have no choice but mm-hmm. to die because who cares about the poor and just like the mom tucking her kids in and the couple just cuddling and waiting yeah i feel especially bad for the people who are locked in to different places because mm-hmm. they're trying to like stop the water from rising people get trapped behind doors and stuff yeah and the workers of the ship and mm-hmm. Even though James Cameron isn't nuanced or whatever, subtle about things, mm. I mean, he at least does a good job in showing like the, the discrepancy in how rich people and not-so-rich people, mm-hmm. just classism, how it affects everyone. The Titanic is like a good, it's like a microcosm of the real world, like our society, because the people who are the first to go are the poors. Any sort of disaster that happens now in our country, in the world, that's exactly how it's going to play out. How it played out on the Titanic, the movie, how it depicted it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people may call this movie lame, whatever, but... They're lame. Yeah. It's a fun time. I don't know. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Despite some cringy stuff, whatever. It's still really good. I think it's aged pretty well. The 25th anniversary Mm -hmm. is coming this December, so that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, Paramount. Give us a 4K. Let's do this. That's the reason why we... Well, we're doing... We're covering this movie because the anniversary of its sinking, like the actual Titanic Mm -hmm. sinking, was a few weeks ago. We had planned to record this earlier, but sometimes life gets in the way. (laughs) Yeah. If you haven't seen this movie yet, go on and give it a watch. Yeah, I mean, we just spoiled a lot of it for you, but, like, <laughs> still good. Yeah. And if you haven't seen this movie, you're really just missing a lot of the cultural illusions because there are so many references in our culture that you'd just be missing out. Yeah. You can go online and watch that little video that someone made where there's a cat in place of Rose. <laughs> yeah. That's really fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a lot of strange lines, like... I think they're so big because they're so weird. So yeah. it's just like they're the the quotable things because it's weird. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing where Rose is talking to Jack and she's Jack is explaining how he's an artist and he has a sketch pad out and she asks to see it and she's looking through stuff. <laughs> and she comes across drawings of naked women mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, okay. And then whenever um, she notices like the same woman in certain pictures she's like you must really like this girl and he's like no she had beautiful hands you see and then like flips the page and it's like of her hands (laughs) it's just weird like stuff like that's so weird but i don't know it works and it's funny to me no cameron your gift with dialogue is unparalleled (laughs) i think he said like one of the because he would draw sex workers and one of them had like one leg and rose was like oh my (laughs) (laughs) Because she was, like, sheltered. We haven't even really given it up to, like, Kate Winslet and Leo. Kate does a really good job in this. Yeah. She's one of our finest actors. Yeah, it really put her on the map. Yeah, I'm glad because she's really crushed it ever since. Yeah, she's really good. And, of course, Leonardo, he's great. He's gotten better, though. Yeah, but... But, you know, Mm -hmm. this era of Leo was really, like... Boppish hair. Yeah. Whenever I'm just like, oh, seven-year-old me. Like, he's very pretty. That's whenever he was looking great. He was looking really great. That's what had the girls coming back to the theaters for months on end. Yeah. And not to say that he's aged badly or anything, but that's my favorite Leo. (laughs) 
pray tell, that era, would you say that era Leonardo or JTT? I gotta go with Leo. I loved Home Improvement and I watched it all the time and I loved The Lion King, but I don't know, Leo is more so like, woo. Just get that little seven-year-old hearts racing, just like, I'm having a lot of feelings, I don't understand it. Yeah. Uh, well, the point is, both Kate Winslet and Leo DiCaprio were pretty great. They had chemistry. That's not too shabby. Jessica, what is your rating system? My rating system is loogies. And I think that I'm going to hawk. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and hawk five loogies for this. Five whole loogies? Yeah. I thought about four and a half, but I'll just give it five. Feeling generous? Yeah. What is your rating system? Well, I guess I'll have to go with a steamy handprint. Mm-hmm. And I will go with four and a half steamy handprints. So one of them will just be like my fingers. Well, one of them is just like in the movie where the hand goes down and it gets kind of ruined. Okay. There you go. Okay. And if you're one of those people we were talking to that still needs to see the movie... In addition to it being on Blu-ray, it is currently available to stream on Paramount Plus and Prime Video. for joining us for this episode of Home Dance Film Festival. Join us again next time when we'll be discussing movies TBD. If you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. If you enjoyed the show today, be sure to rate and review. If you didn't like the show, maybe you can get bent. <laughs> harsh words for our audience you know what if you leave a, a rating or review if you leave a review just drop your favorite titanic quote in it we want to see it you don't even have to write about the show just write a quote from the titanic yeah you don't have to actually like comment on what we're doing just let us know that you've gave the baseline attention to our show by leaving a quote from titanic that's all we ask tell me what era leo dicaprio you like best yeah, that's easy. You have options now. But if you don't want to do any of that, you can still follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Gonzalez 2. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on geekvibesnation.com, as well as on YouTube, co-hosting The Video Attic with my colleague, Michael Vaughn. And you can follow me on Twitter at JustThenZero underscore. You can also find me contributing to geekvibesnation.com. Yes, Jessica here has published two really cool reviews in the past week, so go read her review of the Sundance film marvelous in the black hole and then go after that after your mind is blown go read the review for stanleyville you know you want to they're two great reviews she's great thank you we are proud to be a part of the geek vibes nation podcasting network original music for the show is provided by andrew carroll who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com original artwork for the show is is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the Art of Ben Belcher. 
I've been Jessica. And I've been Dylan. They called it the podcast of dreams. And it was, it really was. Bye.